Hey, I thought you said you had an idea for an intro thing too. I don't know. I do think we need to maybe say what the show is or something. I, I don't. I don't know what we need more than uh, you know. Welcome to a billion bad ideas. Like I mean, I don't think it needs to be. Nailed it. I'm going to cut that and use that. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Ben, for bringing a solution to the yeah, table. Just give you the, yeah. Don't bring problems without an answer. Yeah. So it's easy to understand when you have an idea that you want to work on. But is it easy to know when you're actually working on that idea? And what I mean by that is you can be inspired by something, you can be intrigued by something, and you can write some notes or jot down whatever you think your idea is, what it's going to turn out to be. But how do you know when you've actually started working on your idea? How do you know when you've gotten to the middle of what you're working on? And how do you know when you're finally finished with your idea? I know how it works for me. I'm interested to hear how it works for you, Ben, and you, Clayton, because I have a feeling, like with everything else, we have three very distinctly different ways of understanding how we're in the middle of a project and how we know, yeah, we haven't started it yet. We're just fiddling around. And I know for sure we have a different way of understanding. I think this is done. I'm ready to, to hit the end and send it off to the editor. So. I want to get your guys' views on how you know the beginning, the middle, and the end of a project that you're working on. Ben, when you say you've started a project, you're first. Sorry, dude. You're first. <laughs> when you say you started a project, you're past the idea phase. You've come past the idea phase. Let me clarify that. You've come past the idea phase to know that this is going to be something that you're going to work on. How do you know that you're actually working on it instead of still just kind of jotting down notes or just letting it stew in your head? What are your signals that say, hey, I've been typing this for a long time now. I think I'm probably writing this particular work. I, I think now it's definitely um, it's definitely changed over the years. Now, I, I think I'm in the middle of every idea. I don't, I can't, I'm trying to remember when, where an idea starts. I've got so many I'm backed up on. I'm still working on those and uh, I'm always in the middle of something. Uh, as far as for like a book or something, I, I know when I've started like taking the idea and I start fleshing it out, I, I, I've become an outliner. I think I started very much writing by the seat of my pants. I didn't want to rob myself of the creative process or the the delight and creativity and um uh, over the years i've kind of found a way to blend both the outlining process and that creative process so i, I know i'm committed when i open up a uh, i use scrivener when i'm working on a book and i start breaking down the book into thirds and then those thirds into tenths you know and i start mapping out where that idea is going to go where it's going to uh where it's going to be in the middle and uh really just start uh, f fleshing the whole thing out there. So it, it becomes a very, it, it's very, it's very processed at this point. Um, early on though, I don't know. It's like you, the, the idea would just kind of you know, roll over in your head and over in your head until you're like, okay, I think this is, I want to say even the first couple books I wrote, there was probably very, yeah, quite a few false starts with everything. Um, there were a few, there were a lot more drafts back then 
for certain. Um, there was uh, even the the first book I wrote. You know, it took it started in different locations. It was kind of a different character. It was kind of a different take on it until I kind of settled into okay, this feels right. And I can't even say what felt right about it. I think the first one it became that uh, there was a certain amount of comfort in. I wrote it in the area I live in now, so it was kind of you know first book. It was going to be familiar to me. So. Um, but now, yeah, it's just, it's really taking the idea and as soon as it feels like, what's nice about this process too, is it doesn't even have to be as solid as an idea. It's just even like right now it's like, okay, it needs to be the sixth book. What's that look, what's the sixth book look like? You know, so you start breaking that down, looking that out. Um, yeah. And just, and just, uh, breaking the bigger pieces down into smaller pieces is really the way I go at it now. Interesting. And I know your process because you shared that with us a long time ago. And I, I tried a version of it and, and adapted it to what works for me. And it actually helped. And it became the way I look at things now in a, in a, in a way that applies to how the rest of everything that I do uh, kind of works. So thank you for sharing your process all that time ago because it really did kind of help me streamline what I do. I'm glad it helped because I'm probably sent a lot of people down the wrong path with that as well. Because <laughs> it's, it's definitely a uh, you know person by person way of working. Um, Absolutely. I think that the the broadest way I look at it is it, it's I'm more of a putting meat on the bone versus cutting away the fat kind of thing. So my editing is usually additive instead of subtractive. It's usually just starting with a skeletal frame and putting more and more on it until it becomes the story. So interesting. Interesting. So you're an adder, not a subtractor. I would say so. Yeah. Okay. Clayton, how about you? What's your What's your indication that you're on the you're on the roller coaster and you're halfway up the hill and you're not going to back down now? When do you know that you're you're at that phase of a project? I don't even understand this question. What do you mean? When do you like? How do you? What do you mean? When do you know when you start something? Wow. I feel like you woke up and okay. chose violence this morning. Okay. So well, you actually, I chose this week ago. So it's doing. It's premeditated. So I mean, you have a bunch of ideas. We've talked already about. We have a bunch of ideas that just don't make it out of the garbage pit. That are yeah. just kind of like, hey, three words, four words, whatever. A sentence, a concept that doesn't work. But I have about ten of those, and at some point, one of them becomes the one that I'm working on. And until I hear enough of. Maybe I'll share my process and that'll kind of help you understand what I'm talking about too. So my, when I know that I'm fully into, into a project is when I have 30 pages of notes. Um, it can be a concept. It can be a bunch of little sticky notes. It can be whatever it is as far as the idea goes. And at that point, it's really still just coming to form in my head. And if it's 15 sticky notes on my, on my notebook or if it's just a couple of sentences or two or three pages of notes... I know instinctively because of my process that I'm not, I have not started writing that book. I have just started exploring the idea and I may never come back to it. That may be as far as it goes. Even if I like the idea, whether or not I've, I've started the book really depends on how, for me, how easily the rest of the book is going to come. So when I get to 30 pages of notes and the notes are dialogue, the notes are scene descriptions, the notes are character points, it's everything. It's everything that just shows up in my head and says, oh, OK, this is how you would put this thing together. When I get to the 30 pages point and I know that I've got that much material, I have started and I'm not going to stop. So at that point, I continue on my notes page until I get to about 50 pages. And once I have 50 pages of notes, 
now that I'm saying it out loud, it sounds like overkill, maybe. <laughs> but, yeah, a bit, sounds like a half bit. the book. <laughs> well, it, it actually turns out to be a lot of what I need. There are there will be full passages on there that I may not change. I'll just lift right out of that document and put it into the finished work and then kind of smooth it out. So when I say notes, it's really, really what happens is the siren is calling too loud for me to ignore it anymore. And at the 50 page point, I open a new document and say, this is the formalized thing. I do something in a spreadsheet called a chapter map at that point. And I know that I'm going to have probably 42 chapters because that's what I tend to work with. And I just list them all out and I give a brief description. Ben, this is where your outline sort of kind of merges with what I do. I give a brief description in each, of each chapter of what it's going to be so that I can look at it then from sort of a, a bird's eye view to say, is this going to move in the right direction? Is there going to be, is it going to be too linear? Will there be enough room for all the characters to develop? And I will, I'll actually use that as I go through the whole project, rearrange it as things kind of come you know, to bear um, and, and take what I have in my 50 pages or however many pages of the notes and kind of apply that to, okay, all of this stuff will go to this chapter. All of this stuff will go to this chapter. It's like a puzzle. It mixes and matches as I work on it, but once I've gotten to those two things, I am working on the book and I know I've started completely. It's not an idea that's going to go away. It's, it's said too much to me at this point for me to ignore it. And I know that it's, it's almost within easy reach. I would be foolish to not continue what I've started. So for me, that's, that's a real start. Anything less than that is just me jotting stuff down so I don't forget it. That's so much work. <laughs> so how many you... years have you been writing broken world <laughs> <laughs> so when you so when you say like starting a book do you mean starting a book that you are going to finish or like starting a book that you intend to finish because i don't know when i'm starting a book that i'm gonna finish i think every book i start is what book i'm gonna finish um i think it's when you know that you're when you know that it's something that even if you have to put it away for a while, that you're going to come back to it and it's going to be, it's got enough heft that it's not going to, you're not going to look at it and say, well, that was a stupid idea. You are going to say, oh, there's so much that I left here, even if you only have two pages of notes, not five pages of notes, but enough to pull you along so that if you say, okay, that, that is my start of the book. I may not continue with it immediately, but I know that I've started this book rather than just written down an idea that can go in the junk pile. Let me start off by saying, I don't think I've even ever had five pages of notes um, wow. I don't, so what is this? So this is what I, this is why it seems insane that you're asking this question because I don't understand because to me, <laughs> you don't, prep. it's all, <laughs> I don't prep. It's all mental work, right? As you know, you always yell at me for not writing things down more, but I remember cause I have a mind like a steel trap. As, you right. Know, I never forget a thing. <laughs> and so it's safe there. So I spent a lot of time ideating. Um, and for me, when I open a, I would do my, my writing in word when I open a new word document and start a new sentence. That's when it's started. That's when I'm there. Um, the most, no, I think, I don't know, the most notes I've ever um, put together before starting, like three pages max, I think. Um, wow, okay. And I typically don't outline, but you know, Ben actually inspired me to start doing that. And it turns out when I do a detailed outline, I can finish a book in like a month. Um, so I should get back to doing that more, Maybe, <laughs> but even the outlines are, you know, two pages, three pages at the most. Um, like Mabel Gray was a three page outline, I think. And that one went really fast, but I think that's the most I've ever, most pre-work I've ever done. Like to me, I open up a word document and start going. That's a book that's in progress. And do you consider your outline is, uh, like paragraphs, right? So your outline is a, 
is a synopsis essentially of what the sort of for going to be used for me what it was yeah okay yeah. Um, so you're not even a pantser. You're like a streaker. Like you don't even, you just jump up and run out of the house. <laughs> no, whatever, yeah, well, whatever's happening. <laughs> I mean, only in terms of active work. I mean, I I spend a lot of time thinking things through and like plotting out storylines. But I think re- it is true though. I think for me, I'll come up with kind of the broad, the whole arc, right, it's beginning to end usually, um, but just in broad strokes. And then for me, it's kind of piece by piece. Like, so I'll spend some time thinking about, okay, what's the first step of this? And then think it through and think it through and then write it. And then as I'm writing that, if I'm, when I'm away from my computer from working on that, I'll think ahead about the next piece and I'll spend my time, you know, if I'm falling asleep or going for a walk or whatever, while I'm actively typing out, you know, parts of a story, um, while I'm still working on that part of it, then I'll be thinking about the next segment. And so by the time I finish typing out what I'm already working on, I know what the next piece is going to be, or at least a good idea. And I go, so it's kind of like, I think I used this analogy last time. It's like building a bridge as you're, as you're crossing the river. So your prep work is all mental and you know that you've started something when you're ready to actually write it down, write it, yeah. put it on paper. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. I think we all have, <laughs> now, Ben and I, I think are kind of similar because we do a lot of pre prep. Um, but even that is, I, I really do um, probably go too far with my notes, but I do understand that while I'm taking my notes, I am also starting to write the book. So I'm pre-writing the book, which is why I let it go that long, because I know that what I have there is going to be useful in some way. I can't I can't take pieces from another file and like drop them into a book. I can't interrupt the, okay. the flow that way. It re- I don't know why it would be really helpful if I could, but it really bothers me. See, right. I'm to the point where I consider my my outline the first draft. And it's it is it's a mix of kind of what you're talking about, Clayton, and 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 outlining. I, I try to go through, and I'm I'm making it up as I go along, but I'm writing. The outline is so sparse; it's like big action movements. Like this happens, this like just action beats. Then you go back through, and it's like, okay, here's the scene, here's a little of the dialogue, and by the time I have that across thirty chapters, even though it's like two hundred and fifty words per what would be a chapter. I would even consider that a first draft done. Then I'm going back in and just describing the action because the plotting's done. And I got to have fun creating that as I went along. Um, the plotting is made up as we go along. The character interaction, the character development is in there too. And then it's just more putting in the details. And then the third draft is just uh, dotting the I's and crossing the T's. But it, it kind of what you're talking about though, Clayton, though, I, do, I will have... Um, bits that don't fit in something else that I'll kind of hold on to. Like, um, uh, one example I, there was, uh, growing up, I grew up in Ottawa and, uh, I was there when, um, Canada's wonderland came in, which is the only theme park in Canada. And, uh, it was kind of like Disney world, but with Flintstones, like it was, it was totally like the, the B version of everything. Like, you know, we didn't get Disney, <laughs> we didn't get Mickey mouse. We got, the, the first time I went, the only character that was there was Hong Kong Fooey because it was raining and everybody else was inside. So Hong Kong Fooey became my, my hero. Um, but there was a huge debate on whether or not to even let the theme park into the country to begin with because it was American investors and they were going to use it as a way to sneak uh, American culture into the country. And we already had a park, eh? Like there was a, the provincial park, which was pretty much just like like a park down the street. Like it was a nice, like almost like a state park kind of, or a a national park. It didn't have, it didn't have roller coasters, but the argument was we got a park. We don't need two. There's not enough people here for two. 
And like, so they were actually like trying to Canada? legislate. They were actually, yes, in all of Canada. Well, I mean, in Toronto, in Ontario. But uh, but it was the only theme park. It's still the only theme park in Canada, I think, with at least like roller coaster park. But they actually tried to legislate against fun. Like, I mean, they tried to legally stop fun from entering the country. So that's where I grew up. That was great. And like that whole idea was sitting in a notebook for years. And then I was writing... Um, the, the book I wrote, Send in the Clones, they go to a planet very similar to Earth, but just a little off. Almost like if uh, Earth had Disney and this planet had Hanna-Barbera, I think would be a good parallel. So, But but it fit right in there. So they, there's a whole action scene in a theme park there, but they had the planet had tried to stop fun from coming onto the planet because they were worried people were going to get tainted with an earth culture so you know it, it it was able to drop right into something eventually but it's been sitting in a notebook for 10 years just complaining about canada's wonderland you know ontario has a population of 14 and a half million people yeah and what 10 that's 12, way more no, than 20, one theme park 10 or 12 million are in toronto too like they're all, they're all at the bottom there yeah let's so, see maybe it's time for disney canada to kick into gear I mean, three million alone in Toronto proper. That's Toronto proper, but the metro area is most of the country. You need more <laughs> theme parks. Well, the problem is, I mean, and, you know, it became part of the bit that probably didn't make it into it is you can't run a theme park in Toronto for four seasons. You only run it for three. It's snowy. So, yeah, it's you got to shut down for a fourth of the year. So how is it profitable? It's just, it just it amuses me that they actually tried to pass a law to say no fun. No. Don't bring the fun here. We don't need Do that. So it's interesting. So, so Ben, what you describe as your outline being your your rough draft, I do some. I do that similarly in my spreadsheet. Do you ever move pieces back and forth? Do you ever find that after you start writing, that hey, wait a minute, this cha- these two chapters should be switched because I didn't realize that what was going to happen in you know chapter fourteen actually should happen in chapter thirteen. Yeah, and that's why I like that's why I like working in that way because it is easier to tweak a 250 pay, uh, 250 word entry versus uh, two, 2,500 word chapter, yeah. you know, like I wouldn't rewrite that. But I also, that's why I like working in, in Scrivener and you could do it in anything, but I just, within Scrivener, you can create folders within the document. So it's easy just to drag something above the other and, you know, it's a visual, visual mm-hmm. no, this goes here, this goes there. So yeah, yeah. oh, things definitely get uh, rearranged all the time. That's why I use a spreadsheet because it is visual and it is cut and paste. So I can say, and mine is even more basic than yours. Mine really will be a one-liner that says, this is what needs to happen. These characters need to be in here. Um, and I will puzzle it together as I, as, I, as I do the Clayton process. As I start writing and I see where it's actually leading, and I can say, okay, the sequence is a little bit off from what I imagined, but I can still use the pieces that I have. I just need to reconnect them in a different way. And it's helpful to have both of them in front of me to be able to say, here are all the pieces that I kind of wanted to put in here. Here's what I actually have to do to get to point from point A to point B. And this is not going to work. So now one of them has to change. Yeah, that's and that's where the, even my mind starts. It starts with a line or like this needs to happen in this chapter at this point in the story. This needs to happen. It's like the way they shot um, uh, Spinal Tap or the mockumentaries, right? Like they didn't really have a script. They just said, OK, by the end of this scene, we have to know that um, you know, the, the record's not selling well, you know, whatever it was. Yeah. And then they just let yeah. them go nuts. So that's like, you know, you, you just needed the very, very first is like a single line in a, in a 
in a chapter that says this is what needs to be accomplished at this point sure. in the story. So it can be as basic as you need it. And then then I go back through and add add the meat okay. to everything. So. so that leads me to the second part of the three-part question. How do you know when you're in the middle of a project? So you've started it. You're working on it. It could go on forever. If you don't know exactly where you're heading, Clayton, this is maybe a question for you to start with. <laughs> I feel attacked. <laughs> so so you're, you're moving along and you know what you want to say and you know what you've already said. How do you know when you've reached kind of the fulcrum point where you can say, okay, I need to start rolling this snowball down the hill so that I can make it back to the camp in time? Or do you not know that until you've reached what you consider the end and then you have to go back and sort of rejigger the whole thing and say, all right, let me stretch this out here. Let me shorten this over here. Do you have a way of recognizing when you are at the center point of how your story is going to go or how your project, in our cases, we'll just talk about stories. Yeah, I think for me, my I think all my books are almost all of them. They are some sort of, they center on some sort of journey, whether it's, you know, it, long distance or just kind of around an island or whatever. So for me, the the kind of the arc of the novel tends to be kind of geographical. And so I know that much, like here's where they're going to go in this story. That's part of the broad arc. So when they hit the halfway point of that journey tends to be about where I, you know, where I, this is about my midpoint of my story. And I think, um, and as you well know, Luna, and I feel like you set me up because of this, um, I have enough, uh, yeah, I have enough self-awareness. I think that when I'm working on something like, God, I have been writing so many words and they have not gotten <laughs> to even the halfway point of their trip yet. Um, that's when I start raising red flags to myself and I reach out to Luna and I say, Hey, will you read the first 65,000 words of this and tell me if it's dragging or not? Uh, and you did indulge and that was very helpful. To be That's fair, good. I volunteered. You didn't even sign me up. I said, let me read it. But it did really prompt me to think, well, how do you know when you're at the... Like, how do you know if you don't have a map and you're not really following... You're just kind of following your heart. How do you know when you... Oh, yeah. That's it's all up here. Trap. can't see it. I'm tapping trap. my head. Okay. It's all up here. Okay, it cool. is, really. So I know, again, like, I know their whole path, right? So in this... We're talking about Broken World right now, the third Apocalypticon book. I know where they're going to go. They're going from point A to point B, and I know the path they're taking to get there. I did sit down... And did some real work there figuring out like where where will they go and i had maps open and stuff and kind of figured that out so i do know geographically speaking where they'll go and it should move their journey should move along that path at a pretty even clip um just because i that's how i envision it sure. so when i you know I, and i and i kind of for this one i'm kind of measuring it against the length of the other apocalypticon books like the first one was about one hundred twenty thousand words so this one i'm at like sixty five thousand now and they are not even close to the halfway point. <laughs> so it, it's some alarm bells. Uh, so I do I do have a map in mind. Um, if I'm writing a book that doesn't have a journey, it's a little harder, I guess. Like Anomaly Flats doesn't really have a journey in it. It's just kind of a series of insane events. That one was harder, but um, I, so I, I don't know. I would say from, from the editorial perspective, in helping kind of figure out what that story was, there was... There was a point, and maybe Ben, this is maybe going to reflect on you too, I don't know. There was a point at which the main character has enough information to do something with it. So even though there wasn't really a journey, there was sort of a revelation that had to happen to a certain point in order for the rest of the book to kind of, you know, have a downward angle. And I think that was putting the puzzle together, was kind of saying, well, well, if she's going to do X at the end, then she's got to know A, B, C, D, E. And until she knows that, even if you're just, you know, flying by the seat of your pants, 
you have to find ways to get her to know that once she does know all that stuff, then you have the setup that you need for, okay, let me, let me figure out now what fun things take her to the, the conclusion of her Yeah, story. that's true. Because I think if I know, you know, two thirds of the way through, she has to figure out everything. And then the last third is her, you know, doing her thing. Um, then, yeah, I think by the time I get to that point, if it feels word count wise and, you know, it feels right, then it feels right. A word to the listener. You may have noticed from the way we talk about things that it's really difficult to sit and watch a movie or a TV show <laughs> when you are a storyteller because you end up sort of seeing that layer of, okay, this isn't working because they don't have enough information. Like it, it's, it becomes sort of a, um, something you have to shut off in your head so that you don't <laughs> critique everybody else's work based on what you do for your own work. Otherwise, you can find a lot of things that don't line up with your process and that doesn't make them bad. That just means that... Um, you're constantly, you have spent a lot of time, we all three have spent a lot of time breaking down how these things work so that we know how to recreate them for ourselves and how to make a process that actually works. Every time we reach into the drawer to get it out, we don't have to start over again from scratch. So um, anybody listening who thinks, wow, these guys are really nerds about this stuff, you're not wrong. <laughs> we really are. Ben, how do you know you've got your outline, you're structured, you're just adding muscle to bone, you're, you're building it up. How do you know when you, when you, because I think the halfway point is a celebratory point. I think it's a point where you could say, you can really take a breath and say, this is going to work. This is, you know, even if I had a million notes, I still am not sure until I get to the center. How do you know when you're standing at the top of the hill in your, in your process? I find it really interesting you say that because I know I'm at the halfway point when I start to think the idea is not going to work. <laughs> like, wow. that's when I'm like, I must be in the middle because this is a shitty idea. Like, this is a bad idea. That's that's where I start to think like, eh, maybe I could write something else. Now, um, I didn't expect that. <laughs> no, the the middle. I think for me, and I think for a lot of people, it's it's the muddy middle. It's difficult. I think part of it is, um, my my writing. I I try to make it pretty not sparse, but pretty quick paced. And um, sometimes I feel like I'm just adding too much to the middle just to kind of extend the middle. But uh, I, I think at this point, I, I write in a way that it's like you know, each of my books, I try to make the chapters a certain length. I try to make everything kind of run at the same pace to to move things along and to make it like I, I look at my books like writing the 90 minute comedy movie. Right. There's not a lot of three hour comedies. For, for a very good reason. Like, I think comedy only sustains for so long. So I have kind of a set length in mind when I write something. So, I mean, I kind of literally know I'm at the middle when I'm working on chapter 15 or 16. Like, I there, there is definitely... And, and the way I do it, I've kind of worked out where the middle is, where the end is. But even knowing where it's going and even knowing what I want to do with it, somewhere in the middle it's still like oh i don't know if this is going to work that's where i start to kind of doubt a lot of it uh so yeah no it's completely wow. the opposite you're like you're celebrating and i'm over here drinking like just like oh man i just wasted i just wasted so much time getting to this god yeah so yeah very different interesting um so for me when I've when I've actually kind of you know put all the notes in wherever I can and I've just started and I'm just moving forward using my chapter map and making sure that I'm going in the right places, um, I also like you Ben I have a visual guide where I can say okay I expected each of these chapters to kind of be this way and I know that I'm gonna have to puzzle them together a little bit so I'm gonna have to you know do a little reworking. Usually um, I have plans for and 
most of my stories revolve around character development. Um, they can be on an adventure, they can be in their house, they can be doing whatever they're doing. My arcs really are, the character starts out this way, the character has some sort of expectation about how things are going to go that either gets met or gets broken in the middle. And then this character has to figure out what they're going to do with the rest of the rest of my story is <laughs> really what they have to do. They have to they have to kind of um, present to me what they're how they're going to grow from what they've done and how they're going to end up with it. So for me, it's really I know I'm in the middle when my characters have moved past what they started at, but they are not fully mature yet. And usually at that point, I am taking my little chapter map and I'm moving pieces all over the place because there were things that I thought would have happened by now that haven't. There are things that need to happen now that I put all the way at the end that I didn't realize. Okay, wait a minute, we got to pull this back because they can't know this thing until they know this other thing. So usually the middle for me is when I realize it's going to work, but it is so different from what I thought it was going to be when I started to get all of these things to come together. It's almost like playing two games of tug of war at the same time. You're in the middle and you have two ropes, one in each hand, and you're trying to pull those two ropes together and tie a knot. I'm kind of trying to tie the first half or third or whatever, you know, wherever it is that I decide is the middle. I'm trying to pull all of those pieces together with all of these ends that I want to move forward with and make sure that I haven't left out any details. And this is when it becomes kind of crucial to highlight a lot of things to say, go back and check. I make a lot of notes in my document that will say, verify that this person said this thing back in chapter two, because you have them quoted in chapter 15. And maybe that's not true. So I do a lot of shuffling around in the middle. Um, and once I get past the middle, it really, for me, it does really feel like a roll because I know, okay, I've set up everything for these two thirds. The rest of it is just writing how these people kind of finish out there, whatever is portraying. And sometimes it's surprising. Sometimes you get some surprises when you're in the middle that you didn't you know, expect that makes a lot more work. But usually I know at that point, and I look at word count too and chapter count and I say, Okay, if you're not at the middle, you better get in the middle because you don't want this thing to be 500,000 words. Um, and so that brings us to our, our third and final point. Wait, can I can I ask a question? First? No, sorry, thank you. I'm gonna so I'm gonna Who's ask a question. Our game? So you both you 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 take copious notes. You have post-its. You have folders that you swap around. Um, you build Costumes. on from the from the inside out for, somehow. The question is, do you both write like psychopaths for short stories too, or is it just for novels? I do the same process for short stories. Do you really? <laughs> you yeah. Do. Yeah, I do. I started that the last few. Um, yeah, no, it's same same process. Okay. I'll break it down That's into... Uh, now, the short stories are getting longer. <laughs> That's just probably why that is. <laughs> just stories. But the last few I've written for uh, uh, Dads versus Zombies have definitely been written in the same, the same way. It, it becomes... It's not as extensive because it's it's there are fewer scenes and everything. There's less moving pieces, but no, it still helps to to map that out. I will say that I have done it that way for some short stories that I've done that were chapter based. So there were five chapter short stories that needed more structure. So I did an abbreviated version of what I had, but it was such a you know one liner that it really didn't need as much character development. It was almost like an advertisement for the series that I was doing. So. So I didn't do it for that. For true short stories, where I'm really just writing, you know, 10 or 15 pages for a story, Clayton, those actually come out sort of like we talked about with ideas. I have to hear them already in motion, and I just sort of, almost like poetry, I just kind of write whatever's there. I will have a few notes at the top, but I do your your process with that, and I just kind of 
see what happens because it's so short and usually it's so um, independent of needing that sort of stitching together that I would do with the novel that I can play a lot more and just kind of see where it goes. Start over again if I don't like it. Try it, you know, a bunch of different ways and not feel like I've lost a lot of time. Something that short, yeah, it would be fun just to, I haven't written anything that short in a while, but the longer short stories and it, it's it's become, I'm writing them that way for a particular reason, especially the, the last few I've done for Dads versus Zombies, my goal was to take them and combine them into the next novel. There's a there's a running arc throughout these stories that are coming, so they do need to be a little longer. Um, part of the reason at this point, I mean, it's just pragmatic. It's like, I've got to map this out to see if it's worth exploring. For something that's longer than 10 or 15 pages, it's like, okay, I'm going to be spending some time with this. Hmm. Is this going to work? I, I You know, it that's the plan. It still is a matter of I haven't gotten to the last scene in the story I started writing in November because, you know, life gets in the way and everything else. But that's kind of why I look at it that way. I want to look at everything from a much higher level to make sure the story is going to function because I don't want to have to get into it, spend a bunch of time on it and then walk away from it. I don't like a lot of wasted, a lot of wasted work. That makes sense. You're very structured in your creativity. So that makes sense. So, Big last question, how do you know when you're finished? And I know we're gonna have wildly different answers for this, but really what what I'm what I mean by finished is not just I've written all the words on the page, but I'm finished and I know that what I ha- what I've done is kinda of, it's what I set out to do. It's it's actually complete. I don't have to go back a million times and double check to make sure that I've got, you know, things that are missing. Is there a point when you know, okay, Okay, and maybe it is just I've written the end. I don't care what it looks like. <laughs> That's where it is. It's it's over. Is there is there something internal for you guys where you say, okay, now this is finished and I can move on to the next phase of whatever whatever the project is. Ben, what do you what do you consider the finish line? Um, it this the the way I do things now. It's again it's very different from where I started at. But the way I do things now, by the time I get to the end, I'll I'll do a very very rough outline and then i'll i'll go through and uh like i say i'll kind of fill in the scenes fill in the the play-by-play that's draft one draft two is fleshing it all out and then the the third run through is really just making sure there isn't anything too out of place to like just you know I mean, it's just, it's almost proofing at that point. I mean, no, I hand it to a proofer. I'm terrible at proofreading, but it's just, <laughs> it's reading it one more time to make sure everything makes sense. But, but in the way that I do it, I feel by the time I get to the end of the second draft, there's not, there aren't any loose ends. There aren't any plot holes or that kind of stuff is all buttoned up. So by the time I'm like, okay, if I go through and make sure there's no glaring errors and hand it over to the proofreader, I feel at this point, you know, 20 books in, I feel pretty confident that it's ready to go. Okay. Um, before so there's a mechanical point where you can kind of say, I can see mechanically all this works. I know what I was writing. I put in what I wanted to put in as long as there's no falling. Yeah. Apart and then, that. yeah. And that last, that last run through is really, did I repeat myself? Did I, you know, are there, I mean, very, did I use the same word too much? Did I sure. overuse a phrase or did I, you know, there's, there's definitely that. And that, that's my biggest fear is like, I'm just going to keep using the same descriptions. Like, um, and I, and I find myself doing it. That's really what that last pass is. But but eventually it's just like, okay, I've gone through. I mean, I know the story is sound. I know uh, it's as you know as good as I can make it at this point. It's time to let it go in the world and get on to the next one. 
Do you enjoy um, it? When you go back and read it, do you have a sense of enjoyment of reading it to say, oh, okay, this is going to be fun? Or do you are, just... Are you talking say, on the third draft or are you talking... Yeah, so when you're finished world. and you know that, yeah, you've gotten to the point where, okay, you've done all the work and now you're just really reviewing it, do you get a, like any sort of exhilaration of, oh, this is really cool? Or do you really just say, I know that this works, I'm, I'm moving on to the next thing? Um, no, I, I do enjoy it. I do enjoy it. And then I try to never read it ever again. <laughs> I, I cannot listen to, like, when, when the audiobooks started coming in, I could not. I had to have my wife listen to him to prove him. Really? Okay. It, it's not, it, I, I just, it's nothing but regret. I wish I hadn't have phrased it that way. I wish I had have said wow. this. You know, we're talking 10, 11 years ago now. Um, I don't <laughs> know that my style's changed that much. I'm just, I will always hear something that I wish I had done differently. Maybe not better, but just, no, oh, I'd approach it a different way now. Sure. Um, but that last one, yeah, I do. It's it, it's funny because, like, I'll I'll put stupid things in there, obviously, that they're comedies and it's weird stuff. And just to come, just, did I pull it off? Like, it's almost a challenge. Like, um, yeah. I had a scene that was just, it sounded, and I don't, I try not to talk about what I'm doing with anyone just because I'd, I'd rather just talk about what I've done rather than what I'm, what I'm working on. But I was sharing this idea with my wife and it was, um, it, the, the last book I wrote was very much uh, kind of a they had a Swiss Family Robinson kind of scene in it where there was a bunch of booby traps set, and they were, you know, they they planted. I mean, it was the it was the tiger pit from Swiss Family Robinson. It was stuff like this, and then when they started going off, they were absolutely horrific, and it wasn't anything the guy that set them expected. Right? It was like it was supposed to be comical. The pirates were supposed to. You know, the snare was supposed to fling them up in the air, not rip them in two or snatch an arm off. And it just sounded brutal and it sounded horrible. And it probably is. But by the end of it, I'm like, no, that worked. It was really funny. <laughs> it's just everyone's like, oh, my God, what's going on? What did you think would happen? Oh, not that. I didn't expect blood. So, um, yeah, I feel like, okay, at least for me, it worked. And at that point, especially with that last book, I was writing that one mostly for me because I didn't think it was... It was a character, it was the third book in the series, and it was the character from the first book that um, people just, they either, they really don't like him, or um, they tolerate him, <laughs> you know, but mm. I think it's fun, because I'm tired, by 20 books in, you got, um, you know, and you look at what's popular and what's right, and the characters are very similar, and it's like, uh, mm. I feel like eventually I'm going to be writing the same character over and over again, even in different settings and different books under a different name. So I wanted to write some a character that's very, very different. You start writing a narcissist, and everybody knows a narcissist, and they don't like him. Like, that's, you know, they're familiar with that person. But um, it was fun for me as a, a writing challenge to write a different book. Uh, so by the end, it was like, I don't care if they don't like it. This is this made me laugh, and there may be something wrong with me, and this might be at a trial someday, but like his <laughs> evidence, but... Uh, yeah, I, I enjoy reading it that last time, but then it's off into the world and then it's off onto the next thing. For me, it's really just the end is the end. When I hit the end of that draft, it's done. And obviously there's there's a lot of work to be done still, but if I reach the end of a draft, it's it's done. Like it's a it's a good story. Um, and I just know that about myself. Like if I make it that far, it's good. If it's not good, I'll abandon it along the way and it becomes part of the, um, the hidden folder stories you know you have, have you ever found yourself continuing past the point where you thought you would be because the ending wasn't the ending and you had to keep going until you figured out what that was 
Uh, I did it with a short story a few weeks ago that you told me wasn't done yet. But for <laughs> I, w- I think I was right. I'm pretty sure I was right. That. <laughs> uh, aside from those few paragraphs, um, no, I don't think so. Because again, I do like that's my whole outline process is beginning, middle, and end really for all these things. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think I've ever reached the end and be like, oh wait, there's more to tell. Mm. Um, that's just not how my brain works. So when I get to the end point, I've made it. And then there's, you know, plenty of cleanup to do along the way in the second and third drafts and stuff. But um, to me, that's a different process. And it's almost not like writing because then it's more like project management to me, which to me is what sound what your early processes sound like more than writing to me. It sounds like project management, right? I do that, that's I guess, fair. on the back end yep. where I kind of move things around then and, and shift and adjust. And it's a it's a different skill set. So it doesn't feel like you're going back through and rewriting everything or, you know, tweaking mm-hmm. your writing. It feels like you are... I don't know, taking a, a very different, like almost more analytical approach to it. But I know the story arc is there. The line is there. The characters are there. Everything's solid. It just needs a little bit of... Okay. Well, I know that I'm finished when I read when I read the entire thing and I followed the emotional points and the, um, the ups and downs and I see them hit. And, and as a weird little, you know, piece of this, if I... If I do not recognize the writing as my own, then I know that it's finished. Um, when I start rereading something that I've been working on, um, it has to sound like it came from somebody else. Otherwise, I haven't finished writing it in my own head, and I'll have to continue on it, which is also why some of my pre-work is I don't just pick up with the last chapter that I ended with and keep going. Every time I write, I come back to the last chapter that I wrote, read it, and get a running start at what the next one is so that I can do a lot of the smoothing out as I go. So hopefully by the time I get to the end of it, when I go back and read it, it does all of those things that I want it to do. And if it doesn't do them, then I'm not finished. And sometimes it's come to the end and I've said, oh, I need a whole new chapter in the middle because I left out these pieces. Um, So to me, my version of the end is it's really not over until I can read it without stopping reading for anything. The The emotional points hit, the story points are all in place. I don't stop and take a note. My eye doesn't get moved off. Ben, like you're saying, with you know something you'd like to rewrite. Um, I have to go through it once and not hit anything that I wanted to change, and then I know I'm completely finished. And sometimes that takes two passes, and sometimes that takes 20 Well, passes. that's what I'm saying. So are you saying when you're finished, you when you posed the question, it was when you finished with that, even if you're going back to do more drafts. I mean, what you're describing sounds more like finished with all your drafts ready for you know editing and pack- like proofing and packaging. Because if that's the question, then my answer is very different. But if it's how do you know you're done writing this book? What's your answer for the other one? What's what's your answer? Because when to you me tell it's... me it's ready, oh, <laughs> I mean okay. really, I'll go back a few times, I'll do it, and then you'll say here's what's missing, and I'll say well, so. Okay, wrong. that's interesting because what I do is my process on your book. <laughs> yeah, so exactly. I go through and read it, and I say okay, it's not up, it's not down, it needs to move around here. That's so okay. That's interesting because. Um, now I understand why you do it the way you do it because I apply what I do to, <laughs> to it, so you don't have to. Okay, exactly. This makes a lot of sense. This makes a lot of sense. So, well, and I can't do like a lot of things you're mentioning, like going back and smoothing out the chapters as they flow into each other. Like I can't go back and read it because I'll get so stuck down that rabbit hole. If I start doing that, I want to change everything. But you don't. You know, you don't have to because there's somebody who will be looking for those things to say, "Hey, Dipwad, you didn't do this right here." So you can just kind of let yourself go on the roller coaster ride. 
and yeah. kind of write it knowing that it's going to be there. Okay. Which I think, you know, certainly is not necessarily fair to you, but it's, I think it speaks to the importance <laughs> of a really good editor, a developmental editor well, and copy editor. I mean, but to be fair to me, it's how I do things. So I would be doing that no matter what. So even right. if you did all the work ahead of time, if I read your stuff and it was fine, I'd be like, okay, I found a few words misspelled or whatever. So it gives me, it gives me something to kind of look for to say, okay, there's a need, there's a need for editing for this. So, um, the two halves of the whole seem to work together. So, so Luna, I know you do a, you do a lot of editing for for other authors. Do you hand your stuff over to an editor as well? Only to Clayton. Um, okay. Before him, I had proofreader editors. Loop. When I was with yeah, <laughs> um, which I make it very easy for him because I've already done all the work that I'm going to do <laughs> if I were the editor also. Um, no. When it, when I was with Booktrope, it was really a proofreading process. All they really did was kind of, they trusted us to do what we were doing. So, um, it, it, it to me it was it worked well because I knew how I wanted my story to be. But it also didn't work very well because maybe there are things that I need to be called out on. There needs to be somebody you know holding me to account for. Um, you did miss a whole part. You know how did this character develop this trait when he never you know treated like that? But I, I was just curious. I've never used as, an editor. So as, I, yeah, and aside from Clayton. I, and having a conversation about how the story should be, how it could be ahead of time, which I'm, it, it took me a long time to learn. Oh yeah, editors actually work with you through the whole process. I always thought editing was just give it to them at the end. But the more I hear about even traditional editors, the more I hear, you know, you bounce things off of them until you kind of, so you have a sounding board to say, maybe yeah. you're headed in the wrong direction before you even get started in that direction. So you don't go there. Um, so it helps you kind of compact the process. Maybe that would but help I, me not hate the middle so much. <laughs> I, that could be it. If you ever want me to look at your stuff, I can. But I tell you, it might be. <laughs> I think you know some smoothing I, in my process. part of it. Part of it is just um, I spent so many years in conference rooms full of people tearing apart ideas. Um, that this is for me. This was always an escape from that. So it was always like, nope. Uh, you know, I'll I'll live or die by what I write. I hand it to a proofreader. Um. But yeah, I've never, like my process is I write it, I go through it, I send it to my proofreader, my wife reads it, they both proof it, the world gets it, that's it. So um, it may be helpful, I may be shooting myself in the foot, but I'm scarred from too many terrible brainstorms and bad opinions to, to kind of like, no, this is my thing. So And I will tell you, I mean, it's gone a number of different ways for me when I edited for other authors. Sometimes it goes really well and they do say, oh my gosh, this this is what I needed because, sort of like Clayton saying, I don't want to have to do that. I don't want to have to stop and think about this. I just want the story to come out of me. There were other people who said, I'm never going to write again because this edit went so poorly. But I had edited for them before and the same process went very well. So oh. it kind of made me gun shy for putting putting those services out there for people who to be, to be fair, anybody can try to write a story, but if anybody needs to be ready to be an author, they need to be ready to be to be edited by somebody who is going to critique them, whether that's a, a fan who doesn't, you know, who gives you a bad review, or it's actually somebody who you pay a lot of money to say, hey, find the flaws because I'm sure I missed some flaws. Um, so it turned out that a lot of those people <laughs> weren't ready for that process. Mm. And um, I, I, I don't believe in any of my instances I was unfair or mean. It was just that um, if you're not ready to hear from an editor, then you're not ready. To, you're not ready. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. Um, there are some people who can do it. Some people can, you know, you can do it and, and write what you like and be good with what you put out there. And, and it's good and it's solid and it's it's ready to go. 
and it doesn't need that extra process. I feel like there are a lot of people who don't trust their own instincts, and so they depend on, okay, you're going to have to tell me if it's good or bad, and you can work too much with somebody mm-hmm. on, a, on a book and end up you know, feeling like, okay, you weren't finished writing this when you gave it to me, so it wasn't ready to be edited. Go back and then figure out when you know you're at the beginning, the middle, and the end, and then we'll talk about that. So, and I think that's probably a good place to end this. We came full circle. To wow, our, did you put a button on that? Know, that was so well done. Yeah. yeah, good job. Sometimes it works out so well. So <laughs> do I say, until next time, this is A Billion Bad Ideas, Stephen Luna, Clayton Smith, and Ben Wallace saying, think up some stuff. What are we saying, Luna? <laughs> Go on, keep going, keep going. You almost got um, it. It only takes a billion bad ideas for the next one to be the one that sticks. <laughs> We're going to workshop it. Billion bad ideas? Yeah, say goodnight, one good Gracie. Bad one good bad idea. <laughs> Thank you for listening to A Billion Bad Ideas. If you're enjoying this podcast, uh, maybe you could consider supporting us by going to a abillionbadideas.substack.com and signing up for the content there. Uh, there is a free version, but there's also a paid version that's only like $6 a month. If you're finding value in this podcast, um, please consider subscribing um, because that money goes straight to us to help us continue to do this podcast uh, and hopefully continue to help other folks wrap their brains around their own creative process and to create more really amazing content. Thank you so much for listening to A Billion Bad Ideas. We'll see you next time.